Well, if you remember from last week, we're going through Ephesians backwards. Remember that? That's what I said last week, me and Bucky. We're going to go through Ephesians. Um, actually, he's here right now. He wasn't supposed to be here. I just see him back there. All right, Man, I was ready to tear into him today when he wasn't even here. Oh my goodness, now he's here. Okay, well, I guess that's okay. Um, but uh, we're going through Ephesians backwards. So uh, remember last week I was in Ephesians 5, mostly, kind of continuing out of 4. And we focus on a wake-up call, a reminder of how God has treated us and how we are to treat one another in light of how he's treated us. And remember, one of the main goals of Ephesians uh, can really be found in Ephesians 1.10. And I'll start a little bit before that, but I'm going to read 7 through 10, just so you can kind of hear what uh, the Holy Spirit was inspiring Paul to write. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. I mean, think about this is big purpose kind of talk. Like, what is the Lord planning ultimately? What is he doing? So according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So God's purpose for redeeming people and his purpose in the world ultimately is to unite people in Christ to show us his plan of uniting us in Christ and to show us how to live with one another in a united in Christ kind of way. So really, uh, if you remember, chapters 4 through 6 in Ephesians really focuses on a lot of the how do we live with one another in a Christ-unifying kind of way. So he has united us in Christ through what he's done for us and how we are to live with one another. And you remember the, the very last line that we looked at last week was in verse 21, of chapter 5. Uh, if you haven't turned there yet, please go there. And then we're going to be uh, at, towards the end of 5 and then the beginning of 6. But remember, we ended with that line, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the Lord is calling us to submit to one another. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, and that launches us into this last section of chapter 5 and the beginning of 6 of how to live united in Christ in our relationships with others. So submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now the definition of submit, because let's just be honest here, everyone, okay? This passage is fairly controversial that we are about to get into today, okay? So some of you might be scared. Who here is scared? All right, nobody's scared. That's good. Who here is worried a little bit? Anybody worried? All right, you may not even want to admit it, though. Okay, well, we'll see how it goes. Um, but the definition of submit means to yield oneself to the authority or will of another, to surrender, to permit oneself to be subjected to something. Okay? So to yield oneself to the authority or will of another, to surrender, to permit oneself to be subjected to something. That's from, uh, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary definition. So in our society, in our culture, uh, this part of this passage, at least, that we're going to look at is controversial. And some of us may have some feelings surrounding the phrase, wives, submit to your husbands, okay? But part of the problem here is that in a lot of ways, we've just forgotten God's way of submitting. 
the way that he says that we're to submit, what his style of submission is, okay? We've forgotten that. We don't actually look to the scriptures to help us, help guide us in those things. So then we end up taking what the culture says and what the culture's concerns are, and maybe even our experience from the past, okay, things that have happened to us, and we impose that on the scriptures. And then that makes us want to just wipe it away and say, well, that's, that just can't even be right. So, just like with many other things in life, having a guidebook or directions is critical for understanding or building something properly. Right? So that's what the Lord's word is for us. It's a guidebook. It's directions in many ways. I mean, if you try to build things without one, without a guidebook, it's probably going to lead to some kind of trouble at some point. Now, some of you are like, I can build, it. I can build anything without any instructions. Some of you may say that, okay? Well, I'm sure at some point you've run across trouble when you haven't followed the directions, all right? But also not paying careful enough attention to the guidebook. My son was, uh, just got a new Lego set the other day, and he was building it's this really cool green Lamborghini, all right? And so as he's building it, he gets to a, a certain part of the instructions, and he realizes, I put this one critical piece in upside down, okay? So... Because he didn't pay careful enough attention at that step, he was already halfway through the directions, and he had to take the whole thing apart and go back to the very beginning. So when we don't pay careful attention, then something's going to turn out the wrong way. So the designer knows those things best, don't they? So we should follow their lead. So if the Lord has some things to say about marriage... He has some things to say about how we're to interact with one another in our relationships. We should probably pay attention to that at some level and say, Lord, you invented marriage. Lord, you invented relationships with people. What should that look like? We've forgotten what a good marriage looks like in many ways. We've forgotten what it means to relate to parents properly. We've forgotten what maybe some of our workplace relationships should look like, authority of bosses and things like that. We've lost sight of the guidebook from the one who created these things. And so now, this morning, we're going to do two things. We're going to remind ourselves of God's style of submission and how, that, how does that play out in these relationships that are focused on in this passage. So I'm going to read for you uh, 522 through 69, and then we're going to pray together. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands, should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband." Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, 
and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Let's pray. Lord, like all of your word, we need your help. Uh, So Lord, help us this morning to understand some things maybe uh, in a new way, Uh, be reminded of things, Lord, that we've forgotten. Uh, But Holy Spirit, um, we're not gonna be able to do that without you, so uh, please do a work in our hearts and minds. Help us to become more like Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, I'm gonna cheat a little bit here. Uh, and we're actually going to do husbands first, all right? You guys ready for this? Okay. So we're going to go verses 25 through 33 first. So you see this immediately right here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Think about the level of that responsibility and what we are called to as husbands towards our wives. We are supposed to be a picture of Christ in our marriage and to our wives. We are supposed to look like him. As people see our marriage, they should see us as husbands giving ourselves up for our wives. Our wife should see that we are giving ourselves up for them. Okay, so you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, let's look at one of the things right away that it says, that he might sanctify her, this is verse 26, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and that she might be holy and without blemish. So we as husbands should care about the spiritual nourishment and upbuilding of our wives. And we should love to give ourselves up to see them lifted up in their spiritual health, for them to grow in their vibrancy with the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can uh, present them at some level, you know, that the Lord has used us as part of their sanctification process to give ourselves up for the sake of building them up. So we should care about their spiritual nourishment. So we should be praying with our wives. We should be praying for them away from them. We should be getting in the word with our wives. We should be doing this with our families too. So the focus on being able to build our wives up in the Lord is a huge one. It's a great responsibility. And just to say this, husbands, you know, even as I look at this, I see my deficiencies, okay? I'm right there with you. I see my deficiencies. And so we need to make sure that we are going to the Lord to ask him for help to be able to grow in these things. That's the only way we're going to be able to do it, okay? So I do not come from a place of of like, guys, I do this all the time with my wife and I do it perfectly and so I'm speaking from this place of superiority over you and all this, no. I see my deficiencies when I look at this. In the same way, now look at this picture that he, he puts in the scriptures here. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
Okay, so picture this here. And he goes into this nourishment thing, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. So there's this picture of the same way that we think about, ooh, I'm hungry. I want to eat something. Ooh, I'm thirsty. I want to go get something to drink. Oh, I have this need for myself that I want to take care of for myself. Like, how quickly do those things flow through our head throughout every single day, right? It's ingrained in us. We are turned in on ourselves. We are selfish people by nature, okay? We are turned in on ourselves for most of the day thinking about, okay, what do I want to do next? What do I want to have for me next? What's next, okay? So there's this sense in which the Lord is calling us as husbands to turn outside of ourselves, okay, and to say, what am I seeing are the needs of my wife? What are her needs? The same way that you study yourself well, we all study ourselves very well, and we make sure that we take care of what we've studied and figured out in ourselves. So in that same way, we should be studying our wives, studying them to know, oh, we're about to go into this situation with our family. This is usually a hard thing for my wife when this thing happens. How can I come alongside her knowing that this is probably going to be a hard thing? So there's a sense of study that we would want to provide for our own needs that now we are thinking about how am I going to provide for the needs of my wife. The same way we would want someone to recognize that something was going to be hard for us or that something would bless us and give us a lot of joy. How are we studying our wives to know how to bless and give them joy? So a studying of our wives to see what will nourish them and cherish them. It's that picture of Christ, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So when we become one flesh, because now he goes into that, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So we become one body in a way. So we should be considering what she needs like it's our own body. And think about what Jesus does for us. He's our God, our provider, And he provides the greatest need that we have, which is to have our sin washed away and wiped out so that we can be right with the God who made us. So the God of the universe, in a way, we talked about this very briefly last week, he submits to us, he comes low to take care of our needs. And so we, now, don't take this out of context, oh, does that mean that husbands are coming low to their wives because wives are low? No, that's not what this is, okay? This is a submission, okay? This is coming low for the sake of building up. This is giving yourself up, going low to build someone else up. And that's what Christ does. So our marriage is in the end, and this look at this in verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So every marriage, every marriage is, is a picture of Christ and the church. This is a huge reason why divorce is so tough on the world and so tough on us. And I don't speak from a place, I mean, I have a lot of divorce in my family, okay? Now, and by God's grace, my wife and I, have been together, 
I've never been married before other than her. And, you know, and that's a work of God. That's nothing I can claim. But, I mean, my mother's been married four times and divorced four times. My dad's been married and divorced, obviously. Um, so the devastation that this causes, it makes sense that when the picture of marriage is Christ and the church, what a profound picture it's supposed to be. And so then when it's broken and destroyed, you're destroying what could be the greatest, it is the greatest relational picture that exists. So, let's go to the wives now. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So some of all this right away alludes to what husbands are to do right away. There's a sense that husbands should have a salvific nature towards their wives, like giving themselves up. Okay, so it's already alluding to what comes after. Now, if you think about what it means, like we talked about, what it means to submit. This is where we can get confused with the culture. There is nothing in this passage that says anything about men being better than women or that men are more mature than women or that uh, there's something about men that because of their qualifications puts them in a place of headship over the wife. There's nothing in there about that. It only has to do with what God is calling someone to be and do. Because we can all think of many examples where you have a wife who is much more spiritually mature than a husband. We can think of those examples. So it doesn't even have to do necessarily with maturity. It has to do with the Lord has called men, husbands, to be the head of their wives, to be the primary lead role in the marriage. And so then it's really up to them as to whether or not they're going to lead well. Okay? That's where the emphasis is on. Okay? And so wives should be looking to this role to say, I'm going to submit to the fact that the Lord has put my husband in a head role over me. Now, this has, now in all these submission relationships, wives, if your husband ever asks you to sin, should you do it? No, because you have a greater authority over your husband, who is Christ. So even in your submission, you remember who your greater authority is. So you don't want to, if your husband is asking you to sin in any way, you say, no, I'm not going to do it. And so it's not like there's a total, like, okay, you're going to get stomped on and all these things, you have to do whatever he says. That's not the case at all. So, if the picture of wives submitting to their husbands is meant to be a picture of Christ in the church, the way that the church submits to Christ, then it's a beautiful thing when wives submit to their husbands because we as believers are meant to submit to Christ as our head, as our Savior. These are hard things, and there's much more that, that could be said about these things, okay? That's what's tough about this, is that even in a sermon, every sermon, you're like, well, he didn't say this. He didn't bring this up. He didn't say that. You can't cover it all, right? 
I'd be happy to talk to you about some of these things afterwards. I'll stay as long as it takes. You're like, oh, Andy, that could be hours. Um, that's fine. I'll stay here, all right? Would love to talk to you about it if you have questions or concerns. Now, the one thing to remember about this, too, is that in our world, we have great abuses of husbands who are put in head, they're, they're in the head role, but they're verbally abusive, they're physically abusive, okay? These are all things that a, a, a wife is going to have some really hard questions to, to wrestle with. Physically abusive, I mean, that's like your husband essentially abandoning you at some level, okay? There's a sense of that. But this is something where you need to let people into that world with you. You need to let some believers into that world with you so that they know what's going on. Because these are great abuses, and the Lord hates this stuff. Think about this. It's supposed to be a husband giving himself up for his wife. So when a husband is abusing his headship role over his wife, the Lord hates that stuff. He hates that that's happening. So verbal and physical abuse... The other thing, guys, and I'm, I, this is probably a more common thing. Guys, if, if we're leading from the couch in our homes, we're just being way too passive. If all these things are going on in our home, like kids need us to be pouring into them, our wife needs us to be pouring into them, and we're essentially, like, we will lead. By default, the Lord puts us in a headship position, but how are we going to lead? We're going to lead from the couch, watching TV. We're going to lead from our phone watching all kinds of things from our phone and just like immersing ourselves in a self-turned-in world and not opening ourselves to the riches of what it means to, to spiritually pour into our family and to care for them and nourish them. Guys, our world is a very self-centered world. Lots of options to just turn in and make it about us. But we have a great opportunity with the Lord's help to turn outward and to share our lives the same way that Christ shares himself with us we can share with our wife and our family. So we want to stay away from those abuses of that. Okay, we're going to go uh, a little more quickly through this, but one more thing um, I wanted to say was that whether you're a husband or a wife, let's commit to make the opposite thing that they're called to do easier on them. Okay? Let's commit to be husbands who are easy to submit to. To where the picture of us giving ourselves up for our wives is a clear one. And so then it's going to be much easier for them to submit to us. And if you're a wife, make it easier on your husband to give himself up for you. And when it says, wives, respect your husbands, be a husband who can be respected. If you do one of those abuses in your, or one of the other ones that are kind of an abuse of that that we didn't even list, you're not going to be easily respected or easy to submit yourself, to be submitted to. So let's commit to do that as brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So bottom line here is, kids, there's a few of you in here. Kids, anything your parents ask you to do, do it. Obey your parents in the Lord, 
Remember, the authority of the Lord is higher than even your parents. So even when you obey your parents and you do whatever they ask you to do, you do it with the Lord in mind. You're doing it to honor the Lord in your love for the Lord and trusting that he has put parents over you that you can honor and obey. Now, once again, if your parents ever ask you to sin, you do not have to do it. If they ask you to lie or to cheat or to steal or any other sins, if they ask you to do that, you do not have to do it because you have Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, over you. Higher than them. But if they ask you to do anything else, take out the garbage, <laughs> unload the dishwasher, load it back up. Oh, I got to load it back up too? Ah. It is really hard to put yourself as a child in a posture, especially as you get older. Okay, as you get older and you're able to do things more independently, but you're still needing to obey and honor your parents. It's very difficult to do that. And so it's really, how are you doing at growing closer to the Lord Jesus as you get older? Because as you grow closer to the Lord Jesus, you are going to be able to obey him in obeying your parents, no matter what they ask you to do. And once again, if you just have a life as a child in your home where you're just turned in on yourself and you just expect everything to come to you and like they're going to do everything that you want to do and all that kind of stuff, well, then when they ask you to do something you don't want to do, well, that's getting in the way of you. And so you're going to have a hard time with that. And you're going to dishonor them, and you're not going to obey them. So that a lot of this stuff, all these interrelational things, have to do with, is your life really turned in on itself? Are you turned in on yourself to where you're just focusing on you, and everything's just got to come to you the way you want it? Well, then you're not going to love people very well. You're not going to be able to submit and honor to people very well. Not going to be able to love people. Okay, for the sake of time, we are going to uh, skip the last part about uh, bond servants. Um, but I want to encourage you to go to that section because uh, you can look at that in a sense of, um, like some, some of these, depending on what you read, sometimes it'll say slaves, sometimes it'll say bond servants. But really think about that passage. I really want to challenge you in terms of how you think about your workplace environment. Okay? Submitting to your bosses and their authority. Once again, they ask you to sin, you don't have to do it. Anything else they ask you to do, you have Christ who's your higher authority. So submitting and doing what your bosses tell you to do, just keep doing that. Because if you do it for them, ultimately, you're not going to get anything. I mean, they're people. They're, they're faulty. They're not going to give you any kind of fulfillment long-term in a lot of ways, right? Do it for the Lord. Because there's a lot of times that bosses ask us to do things that are unreasonable, that are hard, and they pick on us sometimes. But the Lord sees that. The Lord sees that. So I want to encourage you to go to that and, and ask the Lord to help you to, to have his way of submitting, even in your workplace, to your bosses and your coworkers. The conclusion for, for all this really comes down to the, the thing that we talked about to end last time. Remember at the beginning of the end of chapter four, beginning of chapter five, be imitators of God. Submitting to one another is being an imitator of God to other people. Because he submitted to us, Christ submitted to the Father. There's all these interconnected submission kinds of themes with who the Lord is and what he's done for us. 
And so we need to seek to submit by the model according to how the Lord has done things and who he's calling us to be in relationship with. Submitting is a way of giving ourselves up for one another. And just like Jesus gave himself up for us and gave his life to pay for our sin, let's be an imitator of that to each other. Let's submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, these things are greater than what we are able to do. Lord, we can't do it. Uh, I know as, as I sit here and even hear myself talk and I think about uh, my own marriage, uh, my own life, Lord, um, our deficiencies are many. And so we just want to say thank you for your grace and your mercy to us and your patience with us. And I pray, Lord, that that would remind us of how we should be gracious and merciful and patient with others. Lord, help us not to... Um, demand these things from our husbands and our wives as if we deserve them. Because, Lord, if we're demanding them, our heart isn't right. So, Lord, help us to have right hearts about these things. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.